When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Y'all, you know where you at. I'm your boy, Michael Kai, and Michael talks to everybody. Today, I'm dealing with a living legend. I love me some Marshall Warfield. We got Alex Haley's. We got Roots. Uh, we go back like lawn chairs. And uh, I'm thinking about the time you would come through the Fitzgerald. The Fitzgerald was the only black-owned uh, casino and hotel in Vegas. Cause they ain't giving a lot of black folks, no gaming license, you know? And right. she would come through there where I had a comedy club. I was running a room once every Thursday, you know, I'd fly from LA to do it. And I get a chance to really see her and, and work with her. And she just absolutely fabulous. And then after that, we did some improvs together in Vegas and Vegas, I think is now your home. Is it? Yes. I'm here now burning up like bacon. Oh, it's super hot right there. It's so hot. It's I way saw too a, hot. I saw a dog chasing a cat, and they were both walking. It's hot. Okay. Uh, it's so good okay. to see you. Yay, and welcome to the show. 
Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for saying yes, girl. I appreciate it. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time because I've been watching you move back and forth and navigate this thing called a comedy field and acting. Uh, the first time I saw you, though, and, and just fell in love with you was, of course, the television show Night Court. I love the Night Court. I don't think I missed, <laughs> missed a single episode of Night Court. I loved Harry Anderson. What's going on with him these days? Is Very he still bad. with us? He passed. He's been, he's been gone a good five, six years now. At least. Oh my goodness! What was it like a cancer or something? I know. I, I never knew exactly what happened. I know he was found unresponsive, and uh, his wife found him and uh, mm. pronounced, and uh, he was gone. And he wasn't an old dude. You Sixty-five. Know? I oh, think he was goodness. about sixty-five. Well, I'm 66, so he certainly was not an old oh, dude. Let's yeah, be clear on I'm that. A little older than that, so mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know it. And you gangster. You're from Chicago, South Side. South Side. What high day. school? Calumet. What high Calumet. school? Calumet High School. Mm, yeah, we used to whoop y'all all the time over there, at Morgan Park. We didn't care about no yeah, Calumet. Now, I was born in Morgan Park. My mother really? went to Morgan Park. Really? And uh, I used to have a, a, a like a scholarship program, but it wasn't really a scholarship. It was a reward program where I just took some money out of my pocket and gave it to kids in Chicago and the schools that had uh, had been something to me. So it was Morgan Park because my mother went there. It was uh, Calumet because I went there and I started at Lindblom until I get, got kicked out. So it was five kids from uh, those schools and I would give them, it uh, started at $500 a piece. Then I went to a grand a piece and I, it was like, we'd go to lunch. I'd take them out to fancy downtown. Nice. Uh, nice little catered lunch or, or whatever and give them some money and told them, this is for you for a job well done. Nice. Uh, this is, if you put it to, to your, your schooling, if you give it to your parents, whatever you want to do with it, this is a gift. This is not an investment or, or you know, a scholarship. It's not conditional. They can do what they it's want for with a it. job well done. Yeah. So I was don't don't to do smoke that for it for a while. Don't smoke it. Do something good with it. You well, know? I had a little party. You know, don't, <laughs> don't smoke it at all. Uh, you're a little too young. Some of them was uh, legal age, but you know. How did you get night court? How'd you get that role? Was a basic audition or somebody called you up and said, this woman is great. We need her. The first two bailiffs died. And um, was Selma uh, one of the bailiffs? Had Selma Diamond. Selma passed. Selma Diamond passed on hiatus, I think, in the first, in the second. If Night Court was uh, eight and a half seasons. It started as a mid-season replacement. So Selma mm-hmm. was in the first season and the second, and then she passed. Then they replaced her with Flo. And she died like three weeks before they were supposed to start wow. uh, shooting the fourth season. And so they, I didn't know at the time, but Riney knew me from Chicago. He was from Chicago too. And so I got a call. My agent called and said, you know, go audition and blah, 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 beep, beep, beep. So I went in and I had do- done so many auditions and I never started as an actress. I started as a stand-up. Nice. And that's how I saw myself for the first however long I did it. And then, um, so I went in and I had never, I didn't get the gigs I had auditioned for. It was always the same Mm -hmm. eight Mm -hmm. black women. And uh, most of us didn't fit whatever it was (laughs) looking for. Just we were the eight available. And I was like, I was just 
you know, so I went in, I had on a sweatsuit, I had a pack of cigarettes and I was on my way to Seattle and I stopped in at Bryony's office and we talked and he said, give me one of them cigarettes. <laughs> and I gave him a cigarette and we sat up and smoked mm-hmm. and talked about Chicago and corned beef and uh, rib tips. And uh, then I left and went to uh, went to Seattle. And when I got to Seattle, they said, you call your agent. So, wow. was so who's Riney? You keep mentioning. Who was that? Riney was a producer creator. Oh, yes. Oh, the, yeah, I saw that name a thousand times. And, you know, Riney, Ryan Hallwiggy. Yeah. Oh, my God. It looked like Ryan Hall Weed, but it was Ryan Hall Wiggy. Oh, my goodness. And did you get along with Harry? Oh, yeah. Uh, Harry's, you know, everybody was cool. It was, Nightcore was, uh, I was very fortunate to be involved with that show uh, because, you know, everybody don't always get along on, in any project, in any company, whatever. Uh, but everything uh, came together. Uh, in the last six seasons, I think. And, you know, there have been a lot of cast changes, not just uh, through unfortunate circumstances, but, uh, you know, Paula Kelly started as one of the original. I didn't know that. I I love Charles Robinson. Charlie wasn't in the original Night Court. And so uh, they finally settled into a core group in the fourth season. Well, Well, one of my favorites was Richard. Richard Maul. Bull. Bull was just silly. Just, oh my God, what was he a stand-up comedian before he did this? You think, or just an actor? Uh, no, no. Richard was a, as far as I know, wanted to be a Shakespearean actor. Was a you know a theater performer, and uh, I really don't know a lot well, about what he did. You know, mm-hmm. Like George Miller used to say, I'm kind of wrapped up in my own. <laughs> <career."> so, <laughs> oh my God! So tell me about your comedy. You said you started. As a comedian, did you start comedy in Chicago? Yes, 1974. So what spots were there to do in Chicago? None. None? None. There's no there club? Was, uh, it, was, it was interesting. It was the early 70s. And, you know, the early 70s, if anybody remembers, was a, was a very interesting time. It was hot. It was hippies. Well, you know, it was a black power movement. There was the hippie movement. There was the anti-war movement. There was all the young people were coming into, you know, whatever, and technology was changing. You know, the, the big major studios had stopped making big blockbuster movies, mm-hmm. and the uh, theaters were not selling out until the black exploitation movies came in and started mm-hmm. filling the theaters, and then the, the karate movies, and that started <laughs> filling the theaters, and uh, the supper clubs were dying, mm-hmm. and the improv and the comedy store were starting up the improv did music and comedy in new york and the comedy store started i think in 73 and they did straight stand-up comedy right. so it was a, a whole little revolution happening and it was all brand new right and so uh tom dreesen who was from chicago yes and tim tim reed tim they had just broken up tim and tom had just broken oh, up. oh man and tom, i never knew they were lovers they they broke up they weren't lovers. I know, I'm <laughs> just joking. Tim, Tim and Tom was the first, as we know, the first black and white stand-up comedy team. Uh, uh, and they right. were great. And when I met them, they were together in Chicago. So they had just broken up. And what happened? Tom needed a, a room, uh, somewhere to work, you know. And uh, like I said, the supper clubs were starting to die off. Right. 
uh, which had been like the dream uh, of a comedian at that time. There are 200 of them at that time. Remember, that's about all it was in the whole freaking world. Right. And um, <laughs> your your dream gig was to open for the Sinatra, uh, Nancy Wilson, or right. somebody in one of the supper, Lou Rawls in the supper club. Right. And so uh, they were starting to close. And so uh, Tom, having been to the improv and whatnot, started a Monday night open mic at a deli called the Pickle Barrel. Mm, 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 mm. And uh, I went down there when a friend of mine made me go down there one night. And that was the beginning. I was bit hard from the first time. It was like a calling. I felt like the skies had opened up and said, you have found your path. Wasn't it like 1900 North? Like 1900 North on Clark or something. I remember it. I remember it. I don't remember the exact address, but yeah, I took a lot of L's and buses and stuff to get that name from the South. And it was only Monday night. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. Oh my God. So you started doing comedy. How did you get to Hollyweird? How did you get to Hollywood? I you know, everybody remember. See, again, you got to remember the free love hippie movement had, you know, taken off and people were hitchhiking across the country. You know, wow. the people were uh, just you could get them out and kids were going to San Francisco and Los Angeles a lot, live on the street. And so they also had these companies where you people would uh, register what it was like before Uber. Right. You could register your car with uh, these companies and they get somebody to drive them across country for you. They were called driveways. And so if you don't want to ship your car, you could have somebody, they would find somebody to drive your car. And so we were going to drive across the country. My mother said no. I was 22 years old. She said no and gave me for my birthday, March 5th, 1974. Come on. No, it was 76. Mm-hmm. She gave me two-week vacation to Los Angeles at the Continental Hyatt House, which was right next door to the comedy store. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. So you was there every night, I take it? Uh, yes. And then, uh, you know, back then, a round-trip ticket, you could check in the part you didn't use, and you could turn it in and get the money. What? Uh, they, Yeah, you could just go in and say, I'm not going to use this ticket. They give you the money for that half of the trip. And so as soon as I got to L.A., I cashed in my ticket. I went and got me a job, started working as a switchboard operator in Beverly Hills. What? And uh, then when my two weeks was up at the Continental Hyde House, I got a room at Howard's Weekly on Ivar in Hollywood. Oh, my goodness. And uh, that's I never left. So, yeah, you was determined. You burnt the bridge. You burnt the ship. There's no way you was going back. Too stupid to be scared. Wow. I I love that. So you said in stand-up comedy that it was your calling. How, how did you know it was your calling? Because I heard, I saw the light. I heard the, the sing. I, <laughs> I heard the sing. It was, yes, again, yes. it was, oh, and the light and the thing. And I was just, uh, you know, it was, if you could have seen, drawn a picture or something, if they had AI, I would have been glowing. Wow. I would have been uh, radiating uh, light, a celestial light from within. Just mm. farting stardust and just, I was a glow. See, it's a beautiful thing to find your calling, to find what they keep calling your purpose. 
You know, when we come back, I want to ask you about the thing you said that it's about self-discovery, you know, that you have to be in touch with yourself. And, and you you didn't know whether or not you had the courage to be out there that raw. Think about that. We'll be right black. Got to go sell some soap or something. Hey, y'all, Michael talks to everybody. We'll be back in a few seconds. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/slash the Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're black. Hey, y'all, it's your boy, Michael Kaya. Michael, talk to everybody. Today, we have the wonderful Marsha Warfield. In my mind, she's a living legend. She's done comedy. She's done film and television. She, she did the Richard Pryor show. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But right now, I was wondering, is it about self-discovery? Being a great comedian, is it about self-discovery and talking about the things that you discover as you go along? It has to be. You got to know, you know, sometimes it gets deep, you know, mm -hmm. it gets deep. Uh, one of my favorite. Now, I'm not a religious person in that sense that we all know, but okay. one of the one of my favorite passages from the Bible is in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The power to speak thought is a superpower. The power to communicate them to other people, have them understood and and internalized, is beyond the super that is that is god yes. that is what it is there's no greater in my mind the gift so the storytellers and and the, the speakers and and those who uh, who put themselves out there we have nothing to give but our voice and our truth and if you don't know who you are you're not doing anybody any service you're not doing yourself mm -hmm. you're just, just shouting in the wood when you got to know who you are and what you're saying and why you're saying it 
Because you're the only one, ain't nobody asked you to do it. That's the thing. You're the only one that want to do it. So you're the one got to know exactly what it is you're doing. But, but I think when you do that, don't we heal? We heal people in the audience who also can look at us being honest about our backdrops, our backgrounds, and give them a comfort about really being who they are. You know, because I, I think you give them permission to be true to themselves if you come out and be true to yourself. In your in your craft, I don't think that any other option. You know, there's really no other. It, your inauthenticity will out you. It will the audience. You know, and it don't matter where you are when you're working in the clubs on 113th Street. Right. If you come in inauthentically, they will just ignore you. They will turn the jukebox on you. They will <laughs> get up and start dancing around you. They can sense. They would just. It's it's palpable. They can sense it no matter where you are, whether you're in a thousand seat theater or in a bar with bus drivers, they will the audience will not connect with you if you are not comfortable enough to be yourself and to put yourself out there. And yeah, because you radiate what what you if your if your truth is there, it radiates in your performance. And they will help you. They will say, Come on, baby. Come on, baby, you can do yes. it. They see it. They, you know, if you are honest about it, you know, I'm a little nervous. I'm scared. That's all right, mama. You can do it. Mm. Take your time. And they will listen and let you find your way if you come for real. So may I ask you about your sexuality or that uncomfortable? No, it ain't uncomfortable for me. I was, because it said, <laughs> it, for other people. It said you came out <laughs> in 2017. That you came out. So prior to coming out, as opposed to coming out, is there a difference in your performances? Were you performing differently before you came out? Was there a different freedom when you came out or was the same? Yeah, well, see, I took a lot of time off. You know, I was off for uh, over 15 years. I was, yes. And when I was coming to the Fitzgerald, I was trying to see if it was something I wanted to get back into. Yes, I remember that. I took, it took, Three, four years from that for me to really step in to commit to the comeback. Right. So um, I started all over again. I did not assume or presume that I was the same person, that Mm. I had the same whatever. And I couldn't even remember my act. So I (laughs) I did none of that. I didn't do I started over from scratch. So, uh, yeah, it was different, but it was different because I was different. Mm-hmm. I was a whole different performer, and I had to find that person. I had to figure out who she was now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I always was uh, authentic, and, and I was as authentic as I could be. But in re- reality, no, of course I wasn't. I was hiding who I, you know, who I am, and uh, and a lot of things about myself. So. I remember the Fitzgerald days and that you were coming back. And I was so thrilled. I was just so happy. I kept trying to get you on stage whenever I could because I really believe in you. You know, I, I've seen your work and every time you do it, you're bold. You stand there and you come with it, you know. And I'm certain that that got you the job. That got you the job on night court was your boldness. Your, the fact you walked in in your sweatsuit and your cigarettes and you didn't give a damn. You probably <laughs> didn't care whether you got it or not because you hadn't gotten the past ones. You're like, it's just another day doing the same old shit. Okay. On the way to the airport, I'm going to stop in here and go, hey, <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> and, uh, and that's when it happened. So. so you worked with Richard Pryor on the Richard Pryor show, right? Mm-hmm. So, so how long did you work with him? Was it 
a long time or just a short stint? Richard only did four shows. He only did, well, five with the pilot, but the pilot was taped uh, six months or so before the show got picked up. And uh, once the show got picked up, I think we all knew uh, we were in for, <laughs> you know, we were in for a long term. Plus, we didn't really get hired as a as an ensemble. Mooney, Paul Mooney, pretty much cast the show from the comedy store. All of the the, the ensemble cast were comedy store regulars, and uh, a lot of us, it was pretty much our first shot, uh, real shot at it ensemble performance and so uh we did the first one and then paul said might as well use these people too that's what he told me he said we figured we might as well use y'all so you want to come back whenever they had a sketch they would ask uh, you know you want to do it yeah because that's how i got my union card that's how i got i got to sit at the feet of richard Pryor. so mm. yeah but that came about from paul tell me one thing about richard that we probably wouldn't know. Not no secrets or nothing, but what about him? It's his work style or his work ethic or or just hanging there while y'all was working. What what did you glean from him? Richard was well, Richard was a lot of things, you know, but mainly he was uh brave enough to be vulnerable. Mm. Uh he had a very soft side, you know, he was a quiet man. Uh he wasn't a boisterous kind of guy when you talk to him. Right. Like, and, and I don't want to uh, uh, lead anybody into thinking like we was bosom buddies. And then I was fortunate enough to be in his presence. I was 23 years old, rookie. Wow. I was, yeah, he was Richard Pryor wow. becoming this uh, ascendant superstar. And so um, just watching him, like we talk about being authentic, mm -hmm. uh, Richard would put himself out on stage, tell uncomfortable truths about himself on stage. Uh, and uh, in the early days before he became, you know, the Richard Pryor, some of the tapes you could find now, it was like him having therapy on stage. He's being that real and raw and, and telling that much truth. And I think uh, I can, that kind of connected with me a lot uh, as far as, uh, you know, when people say be yourself, uh, they don't realize exactly how broad that is, how much how painful that can be. I I think how scary that can be too. To to reveal yourself at such a deep level. Um yeah. wow. So was was uh Robin was Robin Williams a genius back then as well? Yeah. He was already fast as light. <laughs> I mean there ain't no other answer. Robin <laughs> hit the, the stage, hit the LA uh at a thousand miles an hour. He would you know Robin was uh, that kid who, you know, shows up at daycare, is running from the car and don't stop until he's time <laughs> to get home. Robin was, he was Robin uh, from day one. He just, you knew when you saw him uh, that he was going to be something, take the world by storm. Mm -hmm. He was just that, you know, and uh, that's how I got spots. I mean, I got spots at the store from time to time, but they were few and far between. They didn't, uh, women didn't get a whole lot of spots in the beginning anyway. But I would always volunteer to follow the problem comic, the Priors, the Robins, whoever was hot <laughs> and was going to leave the stage with, you know, a drained audience. I said, let me follow. I don't care. And so that's how I got time. <laughs> so, you're, so you're sort of a pioneer in comedy starting in the 70s when women, very few women was on the stage at all. 
And the ones who were there weren't taken very seriously because it wasn't just a man's world, but the entertainment world was really a man's world. Um, yeah. How did you cope? How, how did you not break out and say, I am woman, hear me roar, you know, this is my <laughs> shit. You know, how did you work, work your way and navigate your way through that? Well, that's pretty much what I did. You know, I just uh, I just did stand up the way I saw people do stand up. I didn't think about gender roles. I didn't think about that. I thought about the comedians I admired, the priors, the uh, Flip Wilson. I was in love with Flip Wilson. Um, you knew him? You knew him? The, no, I never met him. Oh, okay. Because right, right. I was in love with him, my, too. He was my comedy crush. And he was the only black woman voice that was independent and strong when he did Geraldine. He did Geraldine. There was no... There, the only close counter was Della Reed. But Della didn't always have the avenue to really be that spoke outspoken and and uh, strong. Right. When she did have the, like when she had her talk show and stuff, she was. But that kind of don't mess with me, angry Black woman who was comfortable being that. Flip was the only voice I knew of. Wow. So, uh I did stand up the way I thought it should be done. I didn't do it the way I thought it, you know, I was taught to or told to. I uh, just wanted to do stand up. And the only woman I knew who was doing that kind of stand up that way uh, was Elaine Boozler. Oh, wow. At that time. Okay. The rest of the women were doing some sort of character. They were doing wife jokes and self-debt. Deprecating jokes. What about Sarah something from New York? She did some of the Sandra Bernhardt. Sandra Bernhardt. Was she, was she doing that era or not? Yes. Okay. Sandra mm-hmm. and uh, Shirley Hemphill. Oh, my God. I love Shirley uh, Hemphill. Yeah. There were women doing it, but they were doing a different kind of comedy mm-hmm. uh, than the straight monologist uh, comedians, mm-hmm. which was the kind of stuff I was pretty much doing. So last thing before we get out of here, um, the Marshall Warfield show, what what was that? I never saw that. that. What, my talk show? I had a talk show while Night Court was on. Um, oh, the Marshall Warfield show then, was a talk show? Yeah. Oh. I, I, did a, I did a daytime talk show. What happened was there was a syndicator who wanted to give me a nighttime talk show. And I was in talks with them and had come up with, uh, you know, ideas and blah, blah, blah. And Night Court had, NBC had night, had a right of first refusal. So when the offer was on the table, they squashed it and said, we'll give you this daytime show instead. So I took the daytime show and the nighttime show went to my friend. Who? Arsenio. Oh, oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Any regrets in your career? I mean, not life regrets, performance c- regrets. Anything you wish you had oh, done? Thanks. Love. Uh, all of it. The <laughs> talk show. I regret that it it, it didn't uh, find its way. It was, you know, I had higher hopes. I have I have a lot of uh, regrets. I don't think you can get through life uh, trying things and not have regrets. You know what I mean? If you if you try stuff, it all ain't all of it ain't gonna work. <laughs> and and you're going to make some mistakes in judgment and you're going to, you know. So, yeah, I have, you know, done that. But I also have uh, hope and confidence that if I get another shot, 
I know what not to do in those situations, and it's just a learning experience. Well, I suggest you plan another shot because you're funny, you're beautiful, you're still relevant, you know. So I think you need to plan a shot. If that's what you want, put it on your vision board. I'd come on. Well, you know. Go ahead. But you know, I I am a comediographer and sheologian. <laughs> and so I have I created it. the Marshaverse, which is the world I see the way it should be. And I am doing a one-woman stand-up live special show called The Book of Marsha that I'm putting together now. And it's a part autobiography. It's all stand-up and it's all funny, but it's music and it's a very labor of love. It's a very fun show and a show I'm proud to uh, put up and hopefully people will come see. Do you have a date yet on that or are you still working on that? Right now we're putting it, I mean, I've done it a few times. But I'm polishing it up, up and I'll be debuting it soon and we'll be ready to let people know when and where to come. Well, let me know. And I want to be there. I want to be front and center. I want to see it. I'm a fan of yours. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for coming to my show. And thank you for coming to the Fitzgerald when you did. And thank you for always being there for me, man. I appreciate you. I love you. I, you know. If it wasn't for getting up early in the morning, I'd have been with you. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. So to tell people how they can find you. um, You can find me at, uh, I'm on all social media, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. I'm on, uh, you want a cameo, just hook that that up. I'm on uh, marshallwarfield.com. Google Marshall Warfield, you'll find a way to find me. (laughs) <laughs> I swear. I swear. Well, I, I am so grateful. So thank you again. And this is Michael talks to everybody today. I can talk to a living legend, the wonderful Marsha Warfield. So funny, so smart. She did all kind of TV shows. I didn't even list all those shows, you know, besides Night Court. And, and uh, you come from Southside Chicago. You, My age. I, I just love everything about you. You're doing D, you did DC Cab, the movie. And you also are on the series 911. So that's why I say you're still relative. You're still great. And I still remember what should be your theme song. What is that? Michael, the lover. <laughs> Before <laughs> him, there was no, there other. Was no other. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, y'all, it's Michael Talks to Everybody. You know I'm talking to everybody. I told y'all, hey, your mama called me. I'm getting her on this show. I'm talking to everybody. And today I talked to a really great woman, a great comedian, and my friend, Miss Marsha Warfield. Hey, you know, we do this show three days a week, three new shows air week. Make sure you tuned into the July 24th show because that's going to be my 100th episode. Also, you can find me on my morning show, the Michael Kaye Morning Show, five days a week on YouTube. Just put in Michael Kaye Morning Show. Come hang out with us. We tell jokes. We pray. We don't do no cussing there. You want some cussing? Bring your ass back here where Michael talked to everybody. Tell your mama to call me. Talk to you later. Woo, I had a good time today. I hope y'all did too, man. Thank y'all for checking us out here at Michael Talks to Everybody. Hey, you can follow me, man. I'm easy to follow. I'm on Instagram, just under at Michael Kaya. I'm on TikTok. That's Michael Kaya 135. I have a very sexy webpage called TheRealMichaelKaya.com. You know, you go over there, you can find out about my merchandise and what I'm doing and where all my shows are. Everything is right there. 
Or if you really love me, you can go to my cash app. That's dollar sign, Michael Kaya's money. I'm playing with y'all, but I accept green stamp, food stamp, Canadian money. I'll take your bus transfer if you got some time left on it. And my morning show, oh my goodness, the Michael Kaya morning show. That's 7 a.m. Pacific time, yo, five days a week. This has been a Raylock Group production. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.